0: Romajana Trimanandishya Jana Jana Salakaya Chakshon Militanyena Tasma Sri Guru Vedamaha Vantakopatu Bishar Kripas Navivacha Pati Dam Pamanebhyovashnavijun Maha. So good evening everyone. We're back again discussing Madurya Kadamani. We will be finishing the third cloud bank this evening cloud bank dealing with unsteady devotional practice and the eliminations of elimination of uh, mm, aparad and included in aparad uh, in the way uh, Vishnu presents Madhuri Kadamani I'm sorry the words are backwards in, in we're dealing with Narthas and included in anarthas it are aparads the way Vishwanath presents it, so looking at the way he's presented the third cloud bank, uh, anarthas generally fall into three categories, and the fourth being the operaaj, so the three are those coming from piety, from impiety, and from the practice of bhakti themselves. So good reactions, the elimination of those as we progress in devotional practice. Ignorance, the elimination of ignorance and its byproducts coming from our conditioning and uh, misidentification with the material mind, senses, uh, the acquisition of a a false ego in relationship to the false reality that uh, is material existence, thinking that that existence is independent of uh, the Supreme Lord himself, not seeing the connection, not uh, seeing that the two are related. Then the other anartha are those anarthas coming from the practice itself, subada, the good characteristic of devotional practice. Good fortune is coming in association with the Supreme Lord and and his intimate energies his internal potency so that good fortune uh, spills over so to speak into our uh into our nature it becomes part of our nature uh, krishna has uh, the best of all characteristics and uh, as his devotees engage in the practice then those good spiritual characteristics uh Fill up a devotee, they can be taken in a material way. We discussed last time fame. So, devotees are famous. All devotees are famous. Even the infamous devotees are famous. In the community of devotees, when you know a devotee, you hear a name, you know he has, you know, he's done this, he's accomplished this, or he's done this in a bad way, and we've learned from him. So devotees are good for us no matter what. Whether they do good or bad, it's good for us. And they're famous. They're all famous. I could just mention a few names of the old-timers who were my godbrothers, and immediately your, your minds would fill with uh, what they accomplished and uh, maybe other things. But uh, we don't go in that direction here. Uh, but you understand the point. So fame is coming because you're a Krishna's devotee. And uh, other good fortune, wealth, uh, recognition, adoration. Devotees are worshipped wherever they go. Particularly by other devotees, but uh, as as they become more and more advanced, even the the most ignorant of materialists cannot cannot ignore the fact that there's something going on here. Uh, When, when, uh, you know, the Mahabhagavats, uh, and uh, my my spiritual master was particularly empowered in this regard. When he came into any public venue, uh, the waves parted, (laughs) the seas opened, and, and people would just be in awe who is this person, and then who are those people with him so it's it it was so so profound in him that no one could ignore his presence wherever he went. All were attracted uh, from the stewardesses who did the uh, showed him the littlest kindness on a plane to anyone else that uh, had his association so that fame that profit that adoration that is meant to be used to spread Krishna consciousness can manifest in a way where it again captures our mind and senses like the material sense objects and we become a little attached to uh, to that and when that happens it can detract from the task at hand and Lord Shaitanya used the analogy of a devotional creeper and weeds being also watered with the chanting the hearing the service the association of the sadhus service to the devotees the deity all this watering is going on but these other little plants are going to come up and if you're not careful, they will take over the bhakti creeper. You'll be more interested in the fame than in tasting Krishna's holy name. You'll be more interested in the profit and uh, you know the the uh, the good fortune that's coming. Everyone's worshiping me. Everyone's offering me so many things, so much opulence, credit, uh, and then you forget to give credit where credit is due because who were you uh just some short period of time ago without the mercy of uh, the spiritual master and the and bhakti devi and uh you know uh, nam uh, himself without that mercy where would you be so uh i don't know if you are familiar with it uh everyone's here heard the story of the Uh, the little mouse who was being harassed yes so there was a little mouse and of course he was at the bottom of the food chain in the house this little mouse and he was harassed by the cats every time he came out to find himself some food immediately the cat came and You know, he had to scurry away. Well, there was a sadhu living in the residence, or nearby, and he mouse went to the sadhu and he said, You know, I'm I'm having a hard time of it, and if you could please, uh, uh, I'd like to... uh, Actually, it would be really nice if I had a superior position to this cat who harasses me. Could you make me a dog? Uh, I may not be telling it exactly the way everyone tells it or properly but point was the mouse became superior to the cat so the harassment stopped even the dog he could do some harassment at that time and uh, I don't know this isn't right at all is it? What happens? You tell me the story <laughs> Yeah I he became a tiger.
1: He yeah. ended up a tiger. Yeah. I didn't
0: know if he went through progressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did. Oh, well. Anyway, he went to the sage <laughs> and he kept kept going back to the sage and getting a material benediction. And whatever, he was a mouse, he was a cat, he was a dog. And, uh, you know, then he, when he was a dog, he was being harassed by even larger animals. So eventually, well you know he he became a a tiger and uh, (laughs) so the the sage had benedicted him all along okay you want that yes fine take this take this Um, and uh, once he became a tiger there's the sage and he starts (laughs) licking his lips and saying ah now I'm kind of like the head of the food chain I'm at the top of the list now maybe I'll eat the sage he's you know and the sage just said oh yeah you think so again a mouse so the point being everything that we're receiving in bhakti is a blessing it's a benediction Uh, it's coming not of our own Hard works, bhakti is what, from the very beginning of the text, completely independent. So, in uh, finishing up this third section, we're going to talk again, kind of go full circle and go back to that that understanding that that bhakti, the holy name, is complete. They're completely independent. So get a mouse. We can become again a mouse. We can become so enamored by the fruits of bhakti, the prophet, the adulation, the distinction, all these things that the devotional creeper is is it basically can't get any sunlight anymore because we're putting our all our energy in the wrong place. And again, everything can be taken, fall, fall away. We have to be on constant guard to rip out the weeds. That's what Lord Chaitanya recommends. We have to not let ourselves be carried away again by these things. They're not really material at this point. Because they're not coming from material engagement, they're coming from spiritual engagement. So they're a distinct category themselves. Uh, uh, Bhakchatotha, Duskritotha, uh, Sukritotha. Uh, So uh, the Sukha and the dukkha that's from our material engagement, our prior engagement. But Bhakchatotha, that's coming from the practice itself. And... uh, it looks like material good fortune, but it's spiritual good fortune. But if we use spiritual good fortune improperly, uh, misapplication of it, then we can uh, we can apparently use it uh, in a material way. Uh, we're thinking that it's material, but it's not. Why? Because in the normal evolution. An animal would become a mouse, a cat, a dog, all the way up the food chain to the tiger. But that would happen under the influence of the modes of material nature. But, but in the instance of the story, it was happening by what? The benediction of the sage. So it wasn't like a normal progression. It was a special progression. So similarly, you have to understand these good fortunes that are coming from bhakti are not exactly karma. Because they're, they're happening uh, under under the uh, transcendent energy but they appear the same just like the misfortunes that that apparently come to the devotee he loses his wealth he loses his family his fame all to increase his prame. so krishna can krishna can use these energies as he sees fit Uh, to help us advance in our spiritual life and then of course we have actually operads those things that are not not pleasing Uh, we're not giving uh, we're we're not giving uh, favorable service and uh, because it is not favorable uh, and these particular offenses uh center around the Ten Offenses to the Holy Name. The Seva operads are are secondary. Mm. Unless we turn them into Nam operads. they're easily dealt with in our practice. So we don't uh, willfully neglect the worship of the deities, the regulations in relationship to the worship of the deity. Once you willfully neglect those things, then that can become a Nam operad. So, a little care there. But, other than that, it's very difficult to worship the deity perfectly because of our environment and the material environment. Extremely difficult uh, uh, due to our conditioning. Uh, So, therefore, there will be Seva Aparads, but the other devotional practices easily easily eliminate those unless they're we, we let them persist and we, we willfully um, engage. So coming to the end, trying to understand what we're uh, what is the nature of These upper rods. Um, let me get back to my plus, Excuse me a second. All right. Um, understanding them in relationship to the unlimited potency of the Holy Name. So, the examples have been given uh, by Vishwanath of uh, Jayan Vijaya and uh, Vritrasura. Uh, the example being given there is these particular stories from the Bhagavatam. Uh, are unique in that they display uh, what appears to be a material reaction or an opera rod. I mean, becoming a demon like Vitrasura, one would think would be a, you know, would would be a serious offense. But his frame had already come to a point that even in jokingly making a comment to uh, Lord Shiva uh, regarding to speaking to sages and, and uh, his wife being on his lap, uh, she took offense and she cursed him, but it did not interfere with his, with his prey. So... And similarly, Jaya and Vijaya, their fall into the material world, they apparently were cursed. So here's two instances where Krishna's devotee is cursed. But in both instances, those curses were not the result of, of an aparad, a nam-aparad. They were a special circumstance. Um, uh, because why? Well, you can judge a tree by its fruit. So we can judge what was the outcome of both of these incidents in the Bhagavatam. In one incident, Vritrasura, he he begged to de- be defeated by Indra and in his discourse with Indra it's easily to easy to detect his increasing praying for Krishna so the whole incident from uh, who was it Chitraketu Chitraketu finding fault with Shiva in a joking way, being cursed by Parvati, fought, falling into a demon's body of uh, Ritrasura, and fighting with Indra, his prem increased through the whole process. He did not, he wasn't afraid of a curse, materially. He was completely above it. And simply, Vat, Jaya and Vijaya, being cursed by the four they, they This was an arrangement. They so much wanted to serve Krishna in a particular way. Krishna likes to fight, Vira Ross, So he, they're thinking, well, he's not experiencing this Rasa. No one can give him a fight. But I tell you, if I was in the material world, I'd know how to give him a fight. I'd give him a fight for his life. This is what their mentality is. And he would enjoy it. It would be favorable to him. So, after the incident, after the birth, after they, they performed this particular service to give their sweet Lord what he desired, they immediately were reinstated in their positions. So, it was not a fall down. Now, we talk about the instance of Asadica. When Asadica loses his taste for the Holy Name. It's not coming. Tears are not coming. The hairs are not standing on end. The Holy Name is so powerful that these symptoms should manifest in us simply by coming. Why is this not happening? Why? What is is the cause? And it can only be that there has been some offense at some point. That we've come in contact with the Holy Name, but at some time, either in the, in the near past or the distant past, uh, there's, there's some offense there that's impeding uh, our progressive tasting of the Holy Name. That's the way we should think about it. Now we're going to speak about one instance where that may not be the case because everything, if you have a fruit tree, the fruit only comes in the proper time of the season. So similarly, <coughs> for ourselves, excuse me, our mentali- mentality should be I'm not tasting the full nectar of the holy Name because there is some offense in me that 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 enthuses our humility that increases uh, our desire to eliminate all impurities so that the so that the holy we can really begin to appreciate Krishna and if the more we are with Krishna with the association of the holy Name then we can't help but be overwhelmed by his transcendental characteristics, his character. It's, there's nothing, everything there is is all full of of the highest level of transcendental bliss. So that is what is devotional practice for us. So if in any way we're not fully immersed in that nectar, if it's not, Coming forth to us like in such a way that it overwhelms us because really that's what these, these different characteristics are tears falling from the eyes, the hairs standing on end, you know, losing composure. All these things are coming, uh, sattvic abhavs, they're coming as a result of. It's it's overwhelming for us, but Lord Cheitanie is saying, divum my misfortune, divum Second verse of Sixosticum. Why can't I taste the sweetness of the holy name? You've put all your potency, every your it's all compacted in the holy name and you're giving it freely and my misfortune is I have no attraction for that holy name. What is that misfortune? Anartha. That is the misfortune. Anartha. So this is coming in the very second verse, Bhajana Kriya. And Anartha Nivriti. The next verse is what. Trunadapi suniche na. This verse represents the stage of steady devotional practice. At the stage of steadiness, when the anarthas are dissipating, we're overwhelmed with humility at what we've received. In the beginning, we think materially. That's just a fact. We come to devotional service from the material realm. So therefore, we think the fruits of devotional service are due to our hard works. And it's nice to to hear the sadhus say, well, it's all mercy and it's, you know, but hey, listen, I'm the one that's forcing myself to get up in the morning. I'm the one that's forcing myself to chant these rounds. I'm the one that gave up my job and moved into the ashram. I'm the one that's given all the money that I earn. I'm the one, I'm the one, and our mind is still in that mentality that this fruit of devotion that's coming to me is the, is the result of my hard labor in devotional service. Well, right there, that's, that's the big elephant in the room. That's the Anartha. That misconception that spiritual life is like material life. It does not like material life at all. It's a perverted reflection. We live in a perverted reflection that's nothing like it's it's like there used to be fairs that would come to town, and one of the things in the fair was the fun house. and in the fun house, what? You walked into the fun house, and there's all these mirrors. And you're taken into this world where you look tall and you look small, you look fat and you look thin. That's, that's the existence we live in. A perverted reflection. We look this way or that way. We think we're this and we think we're that. It has nothing to do with ourself. It's a funhouse of illusion. So we're coming from that and we're thinking, we're thinking everything, if I can just wrap my, I'm reading the books, I'm serving the guru, I'm giving my money, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm becoming a devotee. But we notice as soon as we get past this stage of Anartha, that we come out of that illusion we leave the fun house, and as soon as we begin to leave the house, what happens? Humility overwhelms us. And we feel what? Lower than a straw on the street. I am getting so much mercy. But the characteristic of the stage of Anartha Devriti is what? Everything that's in my devotional life is because of I'm strong in my devotion to God and Guru. Only to find out that misuse it and you lose it. Take it away. You see people come. I'm this, I'm that. And then all of a sudden they're gone. They fall away for some time. What causes that falling away? Well, they were so strong. My gosh, he was giving such great classes. And this, and then I turned around and he's gone. Where'd my godbrother go? Where'd my godsister go? When will they be back? And we see, where well, they come back? A decade later, oh, hey, look, who's back there? They're not wearing a dhoti or anything, but I think that, yep, yeah, that's it. Cowboy boots, yeah. Mm-hmm yeah I recognize him though I can see through the beard and the hat He's wearing a cowboy hat and boots and, you know, but I know who's under there I had an experience like that with, uh, with, a, uh, with one of the uh, eleven gurus and he showed up one day in the early morning at Vrindavan for Mangalarti in a very disheveled state with the beard and the hat and the cowboy boots, unbathed, unkept, unclean. But underneath all that was the devotee that was there decades, a decade before. So he'd come back. He'd gone through whatever period he went through, created by what? By the neglect that Vishwanath talks about in the verse we read last week. You remember that? The king, the servant, loses touch of the significance of doing the service for the king's pleasure. He doesn't do it attentively. He doesn't do it with the right consciousness. And all of a sudden the king neglects him. And he has no position in the court anymore. He no longer is eating the banquets that the king eats. He's no longer dressed in the fine clothing that's necessary for him to be in the court. He's no longer respected for his his wisdom or his jest in that assembly. He's neglected. So that's what happens when we are at this stage of anartha nivritti. We're going up and down, we're going in and out, we're not yet steady. We're not yet fixed, so these characteristics are there. This falling away, the king is neglecting us. The holy name is neglecting us. But there is a saving grace, even the in the in the dark. What is that dark period of the soul? That was by a, what was that name of that book? Um, Dark night. Yeah. Dark night. Dark night of the soul. So even during that period, what do we have? Well we have Krishna's assurance from Bhagavad Gita. Anybody remember his assurance? No loss or divination. No loss or divination. Having once having once having once sincerely I cover I cover what they lack having one done good one is never again overcome by evil now there's a few verses we could talk about in that regard one is when somebody becomes a devotee he never again is chastised by Yamaraj even if he's a sinner number one as, as evidenced by the story of Ajameel. Uh, and so that there's no loss or divination. But their separation. Separation due to our neglect. We act neglectfully towards Krishna and Krishna reciprocates in time kind and we apparently fall away during this period of unsteadiness, sometimes hot, sometimes cold, sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes fighting with material nature again, sometimes overwhelmed by this, uh, you know, the uh, benefits of bhakti. So all these different anarthas and aparads, they come and they go during this unsteady period until we reach steady devotional practice. Generally speaking, our approach should be if we're not fully tasting Krishna's holy name, if we're not sensing and we need to take stock of things regularly. Am I really advancing? Am I really doing my service with the right mentality? For the right purpose? Or am I letting the weeds coming in come in and, and detract? Uh, am I now more interested in my position within the community of devotees than I am in my service to the Guru? Do I really need to have the high post? Or am I willing to do anything? Will I again am I willing now that I'm a cook in the kitchen, to again go out and, and pull the weeds out of the garden? No, I'm just a cook. I don't do that anymore. No, that's not the mentality. I'm das, 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 whatever's required. That's what I do. I'm a servant. And a servant does what? Whatever he's asked. He doesn't say, well, I'm only the servant who dresses the deities. I'm only the servant who gives the class. I'm only the servant that drives the bus. I'm only the servant. I'm only this servant. No, The servant is a servant. Krishna may give you some talent to use in the service of your spiritual master and he may take it away. He may give you a position, he may take it away. Don't be affected by these things. Because once we notice that those things are affecting our mentality and our service, then we know it's a what? It's one of those weeds. And what's our purpose? Our purpose is to let our bhakti creep, or our love for Krishna, increase to the point where we can't stand to be without Krishna at every moment. We have to hear his holy name. We have to see his form. We have to serve his devotees. We have to hear about him. We have to, you know, all these, these are the things that my life are, is about. It's not about being this or being that. It's about just tasting the sweetness of Krishna. So much so that I, I can't stand to be without it. So one of the symptoms of being without it where the taste isn't there is there could be an operat on our part and we should always be wasp, watchful of that. But there's also the other circumstance and Vishwanath gives a couple examples. Let's look at the example of Ajamil. So Ajameel was chanting the holy name without offense. How do we know he was chanting his son's name? Namabas, a reflection of the holy name. How do we know he was doing it without offense? Well, because before, before he was doing, he was he was chanting his son's name. And we know that later he was chanting the same name in the same way on his deathbed. And what happened? The dudas came and immediately gave him protection. So there was no change in his chanting. So you have to ask yourself, well, why didn't they come the first instant he chanted? Good question, right? Should have just showed right up, just like they did on the deathbed, but no, it wasn't that the time wasn't right yet, so it was not due to an offense on his part because he was not even engaged in the practice of bhakti, he wasn't engaged in material life, he was living an illicit in an illicit relationship. And he was had a son in his old age that he named Narayan. So there was no Bhakti there. But he was chanting Krishna's name the same before his time of death as he was at the time of his death. So therefore we can conclude, Vishwanath says, very simply that the holy name was not yet ready to manifest. It was not like a progression where he was becoming purified. So suddenly we can see that perhaps a devotee is also free of offense. Now as for ourselves, our mentality is, well, if we're not, if if the holy if the bliss of 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 chanting is not manifesting in us if we're not being overwhelmed with with all these symptoms which are there in in the, in the Mahabhagavat, the tears and the, and the trembling all these things are not coming we think it's because we're an offender but there's also devotees who are not offensive who are free of offense but still it appears that they're suffering parabdha karma. They're, it seems that they're, they're suffering. Krishna is putting them into difficulty, or material nature is putting them into difficulty. So, what do we think about that? Well, Krishna says, He points out that He will do whatever is necessary to increase our preme. He even does it with the Gopis. The evening of the Rasa dance. He increases their love. So similarly with his devotees, even at the beginning stages of the Sadhika, they may be free of offense, but still he doesn't fully manifest the taste and the appreciation in the devotee yet. And it still seems that they're, they're suffering just like everyone else. So what, do we, what are we to think of that? Vishwanath says, this is simply Krishna working in such a way that he increases the devotee's desire. I'll read for you exactly how he states it. if I can find it here there's two verses that we're referring to so the first I'll read it just so you can have reference we've discussed it by observing the absence of symptoms of praying in devotees chanting the holy name and the presence of a tendency to sin some presume the existence of nam aparad. natural presumption The guys or the girl were still engaged in sin and there's no praying coming from the chanting the holy name. Some presume the existence of an operat. That's a pretty good assumption, isn't it? If someone hasn't given up their sinful life, they're not tasting praying. After chanting the holy name, there has to be offense. Moreover, seeing the material distress in such devotees, they suppose that there is a lack of destruction of perubdha. Well, they're not even advancing enough to get past their perubdha karma. Vishwanath goes on. Parentheses, reaction to activities that have not yet fructified. In the devotee, Ajamir was offenseless and he did not manifest any symptoms of praying, though he was daily calling the name of his son, named Narayan, many times. Not only that, he was also inclined to an illicit relation with the maidservant. Various miseries were seen in Yudhisthira and others despite the absence of Parabda. Their house was burnt down. They were exiled. They had an addiction to gambling. They lost their wife. I mean, these guys were still under Pherubta Karma. Anybody would see it. Who could deny it? You lose your kingdom and your wife in one afternoon? And you're banished to the forest? Just because you you have an addiction to gambling? The conclusion is, therefore, that generally a fruit tree bears fruit only in the proper season. This is Vishwanath's writing here. Thus, though the name is pleased with an offenceless person, he bestows his mercy only in due course of time. So Nama is just as independent as Bhakti. The Holy Name will will bestow its mercy when it sees fit, not when we see fit. Well, that's why we surrender. It's part of the program. We're content to wait forever. That's what a servant does. Sins committed by them due to their previous habits are as insignificant as the bite of a snake without poisonous fangs disease or other distress seen in them is not a result of Perubda. The Lord himself has said, to whom I bestow my mercy, I gradually take away all his wealth, his relatives and family reject him, seeing him penniless and suffering from distresses one after another. In another place, the Lord has said, the great disease of poverty is a symptom of my mercy. Mercy. By his own will, the clever Lord, who gives all auspiciousness to his devotee, gives distress to his devotee to increase their humility and eagerness. 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 Therefore, because reactions to fruit of activities are absent in them, the distress seen in the devotee is not the result of their parabdha. Thus end the third shower of nectar of Madhurya Kadambani. So Vishwanath ends up by giving us two examples. One is, you're not tasting the holy name because of offenses. That was the Next to the last one, next to the last verse in this third section, and then there are the devotees who are apparently in distress, who are chanting the Holy Name offenselessly. It's, uh, it's all just a display of Krishna's mercy. We finally made it through the next cloud bank. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We're about to enter into what are the symptoms of nista? What's it like? What, what are we going to experience? What's going to change in our practice? How do we know that maybe we're making a little progress pat, past this stage of anarthas wherein we're on shaky ground? The stage of anarthas is, is shaky ground because those anarthas can, can become because we're not steady we don't serve steadily hot, we run cold we, we want so many things but there is one saving grace and that is despite all the difficulties that may befall us due to our unsteady nature in the beginning of devotional practice, if we can, first and foremost, no matter what happens to us, never give up our chanting. Even if our offenses become such that the devotees do not want to surround them anymore. Never give up chanting. And second is, never give up devotees if they don't want you around then you've done something to offend them you fall at their feet you grasp onto those feet you serve those feet day in and day out until they show you some mercy again don't give up the association of devotees so first is never give up the association of the holy name because maybe there'll come a time where the people that you saw walk away from the ashram will be you never give up your chanting. And you will come back sooner than later. That's the thing. The king neglects his his disobedient service. But he will not neglect you as long as you're trying to serve. As long as you're trying to do something. Even Even if the offenses are such that you're pushed away, then... Then you send the fruits of your labor you if you have to understand how extremely fortunate this circumstance of Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan movement is for us. It's beyond imagination what's being offered to us. We've been in this material world forever and ever and ever we can't even it, there's no it's beginningless as long as there's been Krishna and there's always been Krishna there's been us in the material world and this is a the, the, the door is being opened there's a sliver of light where we can see the prospect Of leaving the fun house of material existence and living in the reality of our true nature. So, it's a rough stage, Anartha Nivritti. It's a rough stage to get through this beginning of a devotional practice, but we stay fixed. We never give up the holy name. We never give up the association of the devotees. If we offend so much that we fall away, we immediately try to get back in. Uh, we don't become complacent and say, well, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I should just be a carmy. You'll never be a karmi again. I, I can guarantee you that. You will never be happy. I am speaking from experience here. Are there any questions? Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.